we're going to go ahead and get started. Thanks for coming. Big shout out to all the Burwell folks for making it, making the trip over. Appreciate it. Um, uh, we're going to start out with a prayer, um, kind of an extended scripture reading. Um, if you don't mind, just kind of as we, as we read through it, just notice if there's anything that sticks out, anything you feel drawn to, or even anything you don't like, just notice kind of as we, um, as I read through that, just anything that might, yeah, kind of stir in you, and maybe nothing will, and that's fine. But let's go ahead and pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Now that very day, two of them were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus, and they were conversing about all the things that had occurred. And it happened that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing as you walk along? They stopped looking downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, said to him in reply, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know of the things that have taken place there in these days? And he replied to them, What sort of things? They said to him, The things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, how our chief priests and rulers both handed him over to a sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it is now the third day since this took place. Some women from our group, however, have astounded us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came back and reported that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who announced that he was alive. Then some of those with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women had described, but, they did not, but him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are! How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke! Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them what referred to him in all the scriptures. As they approached the village to which they were going, he gave the impression that he was going on farther. But they urged him, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And it happened that while he was at table, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. With that, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. But he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us, while he spoke to us on the way and opened the scriptures to us? Heavenly Father, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit upon us to enkindle our hearts, to respond to your presence. We ask for the grace to be attentive to our own hearts, to draw near to you in this deep place of encounter, of prayer. Help us to remain with you, to dwell with you, to be with you. Open our eyes to your presence with us. Teach us how to pray. We ask this through Christ our Lord. 
the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So thanks again for being here. Um, so even if you were here last week, just take a note of what last week was like. Remember at the, kind of the end we said, I said, um, yeah, the whole point of this is your own prayer life. Um, and so if we come to these talks and they're great and maybe a little helpful, but you never pray, I mean, it's just a waste of time, right? Because what we desire is communion with God, relationship with God. So even yourselves, and no, you don't have to judge yourself, don't be harsh, but how was last week? You know, did you find some times to pray? Did you find some solitude, some silence? Were you not able to? You know, do you desire to pray? Even just notice your heart there. Um, yes, it's just helpful to notice. Yeah, do I want more? What's going on? How am I doing? So just kind of a review. We're not going to go into it a ton. Just from last week, you're created by God, and God made you good. Amen? Okay, and you are made for a relationship with God. You are already saved, so that's done. You're already adopted, so that's done. God the Father's already your dead. So prayer is entering into the truth of who we are and living like it's real. Right? Letting God show us the truth of who we've become in Jesus Christ. So prayer is primarily a relationship. Prayer is primarily a relationship. And also, it's primarily receptive, which means God does more of the work than we do. It's our job to show up. We'll talk about today how our job is to be honest with him. But it's his job to get stuff done. So if you feel like you showed up to prayer and you were honest and nothing happens, whose problem is that? That's God's problem. It's not your problem. No, you did your part. So prayer is more God's job than our job. Our job is to receive from God, to be attentive, to pay attention. But it's his job to, to accomplish anything. It's not your job. Also, it's a real relationship. So it's not, maybe I shouldn't have used the word accomplish. It's not about accomplishing things. It's not about productivity. It's not about achievement. It's about being with, right? You don't finish spending time with friends and be like, okay, great. Let's make a list of what we accomplished, right? Because I think we had a good day together. No, that, that would be weird. And then you would have less friends to spend time with, right? So it's not about accomplishing things. It's about a real relationship. God's not going anywhere. He just wants to be with you and to love you. And it turns out that deep down, that's what we need the most, is just love. We actually just need love. So it's relational. It's about communication. So listening and talking, right? Thinking about God is not praying. Thinking about God in a church, it's not praying. Thinking about God in a church on your knees is not praying. No, until we're listening to him and talking to him, we're not praying yet. It's a weird step that's kind of, it's weirdly hard for us to do. I've spent a lot of my, my adult life just thinking about God and thinking about my problems, but not actually praying. No, just in this kind of lonely place, just fretting. That's not prayer. No, because prayer is relational. There was a time when I was having kind of a struggle with a friend and it had been going on for some time and I was frustrated and sitting in a chapel thinking about it, you know, and just like thinking about all what, what I should do and what the problem is and all this. And it finally dawned on me, like, I hadn't really told God about it yet. And so I kind of told him what was going on and how I was feeling kind of stressed and confused about it. And my sense of God's response was very, it was kind, but he's like, hey, why is this the first I'm hearing about this? <laughs> you know? I mean, it was, there was compassion in his heart of like, even, this has been going on for some time, right? 
Like, why is this the first you're telling me? Like, I want to be in this with you. You don't have to do this alone. So uh, prayer is that relationship. So we're letting him in. It's more his job than it is your job. We also talked about what do we pray with? What's the organ of prayer in the place of encounter? That's our hearts. So the heart is the place of prayer. When we talk about the heart, we're talking about the depths. We're talking about what makes us most us, our place of deepest identity. That's where we meet God. See, God loves you and he's committed to you and only to truly you, to who you are. And so he's going to meet you there. So if you and I pretend or wear masks, he's not going to interact with our masks because he doesn't love your mask. He doesn't love mine. He doesn't love our pretending. No, he loves you. It's only when we're honest and authentic do we really connect with him because he's, he's committed to you, to you, you, right? So the heart is this place of prayer. Again, as we go through all of these, but really in every part of your life, uh, you want to be attentive to what's going on here. So even make sure you have a pencil on the way in and there's a handout. We'll talk about the handout later. But it's important just to have something that you can jot down if anything stirs in your heart. So as, and, and again, maybe nothing will. And that's not your job to make it happen. I don't know how to make my heart do anything. It, it seems to really be very independent. So it's your job, though, to notice, you know, if something's stirring, to just make a note of that. Because that's something you want to pray with. Because our hearts, again, we talked about recognize God's voice. They respond to God. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So we want to attend to our hearts because our, our hearts are able to notice, to notice God. Okay, so we're going to kind of dig into that more in a second. This is probably the layout of the next few weeks. You should be impressed because I'm planning things. And um, some of you are already laughing because you know me well enough. I heard a priest, I told somebody this earlier. When I was in seminary, I heard a priest say that, he's like, I feel at most I'm 35% prepared for everything I do. I remember at the time being like, whatever. And then now I'm like, 35% is not that bad. <laughs> you know, like, I take 35%. But we're getting up to like 40, 50% prepared here. So um, today we're going to be talking more about the heart and noticing it and then what you do once you notice it. Next week we're going to talk about how God uses our, you don't have to write this down if you don't want to, but you can. Uh, next week is probably going to be about our imaginations and how God engages with our imaginations to show us stuff. And then how to pray with scripture as a part of that. The week after is going to have to do with probably discernment. Discernment means noticing what God is doing. And also notice things that are not from God. Right? We talk about temptation. We talk about lies. Stuff like that. Might have to do something a little bit to do with what you might call spiritual warfare. Which sounds, but it's, it can be very simple. It's this idea that yeah, there, there is an enemy opposed to us that wants to separate us from God. And we just want to notice where things are coming from. And then the last week uh, will likely be in about, um, yeah, kind of praying about healing, about forgiveness, about inviting God into places of our past, um, which can be really, really beautiful. So that's kind of probably the layout of where we're going. But again, today we're talking about our heart, noticing our heart, and then what we do when we get there. So even just notice, as I say that, we're going to notice our hearts. How does that feel to you? For some of you, you're probably like, nice. For some of you, you're like, oh no, right? So, just even notice, um, yeah, when you grew up in your family, what was your family's disposition towards your heart? Was it a place where your heart felt pretty free and you could share stuff? Was it a place where you felt like you kind of had to maybe hide stuff that was going on? Was it a place where it felt like everybody's hearts were just kind of like, 
really kind of exploding on top of each other. And even just notice you know, what kind of a home did you grow up in? Because that, that's important for us. That, that affects us and it affects how we even relate to our own hearts. Because the truth is your heart is good and God made it good. We're going to talk about noticing our hearts and when we talk about noticing our hearts, we're noticing three different sorts of things. Our thoughts, when we say thoughts, we're talking about deep things that have to do with God and ourselves. Our thoughts, our feelings, and our desires. Our thoughts, our feelings, and our desires. And again, not just, yeah, not this, not just on a, yeah, kind of ephemeral external level, but when we get down to the depths. Um, so thoughts is, is yeah, somewhat self-explanatory, and we'll get into maybe some different examples in a bit. We talk about our feelings. Again, talking about your feelings, how does that feel? As you just noticed that, some of us are like, ugh, feelings. So your heart's good, and God made it good. And part of how God made your heart is with emotions. God gave you all of your emotions, and they're supposed to be there. There's not one that he put there that wasn't supposed to go. Because we tend to think that there's certain emotions that are bad, right? Anger. Bad, right? Should never have it. Never be angry. Right? Sometimes we, we get this idea, which is a pretty wonky idea. If you, even if you look at the scriptures, was Jesus ever angry? Oh, yeah. Was he ever like super angry? Yeah. Did he ever yell at people? Seems it. Did he make a whip one time and chase people and flip stuff over? Yeah. Right? And not just because he was like, oh, we got to do cool stuff so they can read about it on Sundays. <laughs> no, he was actually very angry. Okay. So if Jesus was angry, another question for you, did Jesus ever sin ever once, ever? No. So anger must be okay, and not just okay, but good. Now there are ways in which we can use our emotions um, and, and respond to our emotions in ways that are not healthy. That's true. But our emotions are good. God put them there. God put your emotions in your heart. And when he was putting them in, he didn't just spill a bunch of stuff, and he's like, oh no, shoot, Ugh. That's going to be terrible, right? No, he put your emotions there. Now, there are ways in which things of our lives make it just tough, tough to live in our hearts and deal with our hearts, and that's okay. But God put them all there. Sadness is a good, healthy emotion. It's part of love. It's a counterpoint of love. When somebody you love is hurting, you should feel sad. That's normal. When something bad happens, you should feel sad. Maybe angry. Disappointed. Those are all good. Those are all healthy for better or for worse, a lot of us go, grow up in households, you know, I would argue, especially in the United States, especially in rural America, uh, we grow up in households that just aren't great at dealing with emotions. We're just not, we just don't have a space to work with that, you know? And so even some of our parents are like, ah, I don't know how to help you with that. So just stop, right? So a lot of us grow up in homes where you can't really be angry. You can maybe blow up, but then you got to leave. Because I'm not going to talk to you while you're angry. I can't, I can't connect with you there. And you can't really be sad because I don't know how to deal with that either. And so you have to go away. Um, sometimes, too, we get shamed in our houses. So when I say the sentence, you're too... Right? That's not a sentence. That's two words, I guess. But you're too whatever. Whatever you fill in the blank with for yourself, it's probably a way in which you got cursed. When you curse somebody, you say there's something wrong with them. You're too sensitive too dramatic, right? too selfish, you're too needy. Sometimes those are the curses we get against our hearts because people don't know how to deal with our hearts. So, that feels kind of heavy. Shake that off. 
Um, but what God loves is you and your heart. And so for many of us, we have to learn again to start noticing and engaging with our own hearts, which sounds strange, right? It's like, my heart, it's really close. If it's right here, why would I become a stranger to it? But we do. And so God asks us to notice our own hearts because he is attentive to our hearts and he works with our hearts. So it's important that we notice when we're angry. Because the less we notice when we're angry, the more eventually our anger is going to come out in one way or another. Amen? You've been there? And usually it's not in a helpful way. Right? You can ignore it as long as you want, but some, at some point it's going to do something. Right? Sadness, if it's ignored for a long, long, long time, can even have like physical effects upon us. There's a lot of health issues that come from just stuff in here that's never resolved and never attended to. So your heart's good, all of its emotions are good, but your heart was never made to be alone. It's not made to function alone. And even in your emotional life, you're not, you're not made to be alone there. So you need other people and you need God. And that's normal and that's healthy. But see, if we don't have those people, if we don't have people that can engage with our hearts and if we don't know that God's there, Really being attentive to our hearts and noticing our hearts is not an option because it's too painful. If nobody's there to help us, it's just too much. And so we shut it down or we try to numb it or we try to run away. Even as adults, I know I do, I would assume a lot of us do, we spend a fair amount of time trying to numb or run away to try to distract. That's why when we enter into prayer, that silence can be kind of tough at first. Because when you're silent, you notice stuff. And if you don't want to notice stuff, that could be hard. I remember being in college... Not having a prayer life, not, just not being in a very healthy place. And I remember going to bed was the worst time of the day. I just hated it. And I would like start an episode of some show on my computer and just try to fall asleep while the, that was going on. So I'd just be distracted until I was asleep. Because just being alone with my thoughts in the dark at the end of the day was no good. It was just too hard. You know, because I didn't know God was there. I didn't know people cared about me. I didn't know I could share my heart with somebody. So I was kind of trained not to do that, you know, in different ways. So we can have the freedom to notice our hearts and really engage with our hearts um, only if we know that we're loved. If we know that we're loved and we know that we're good. So God gives us that freedom. You're just good. You're just loved. Also, he knows what's in your heart. So there's no sense in pretending. So this is a really important principle. When you pray, always be honest. Always be honest. You cannot be too honest with God. There are psalms where people are angry with God and they are letting him know about it. Or they're really disappointed in him. There's one psalm, at least one psalm, where it seems the person accuses God of being unfaithful. The psalms are written by a human being and by God, right? They're inspired by God. So this is language that is sanctioned by God to just be mad at him. Jesus on the cross cries out to the Father. What does he say? He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some pretty strong language. Because in that moment, he felt forsaken. But instead of turning in upon himself, he brings that to his father. He says, why? Right? Why have you forsaken me? He's got the heart of a son crying out to his dad. But he's completely honest. So you can always be honest with God. I've told you this before. If you need to yell at him, you yell at him. If you're disappointed with him, you tell him what? I'm disappointed with you. Right? I wanted something else and it didn't happen. I feel sad now. Great. It's honest. It's also a sign of great trust when you can be honest with God. He appreciates that. 
Because again, pretending is just not helpful. It's not going to get us anywhere. Because uh, he, re he really does, he does love you and he wants to be there with you no matter where you are, no, no matter where that place is. So you can be 100% honest with God. If you're a little nervous about like being really honest with him or yelling at him, you can tell him, you know, I've told you this before, Father Scott told me I could do this, right? So I'm going to let you have it. And if you have a problem with it, you go talk to Father Scott and I'll take care of that for you, okay? No, I mean, there's nothing to take care of because he just wants you to be honest. A spiritual director of mine had an image that she sometimes prayed with of, uh, yeah, like God holding her as a little kid, but wearing a, one of those big umpire pads, you know, a baseball umpire pad, and her just wailing on him, you know, just mad as heck, but he's got this big pad and he can take it, and he just, almost like he just wants her to let it all out. Like she's not going to hurt him, you know, but, but he wants her to be honest there. So we want to notice, notice our hearts. Um, maybe we'll just even take a second, and if you don't mind, just pray a simple prayer, asking God, maybe even asking the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, is, his job is to help us pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to just help you notice your own heart. Okay. So again, this heart, our hearts are the place of encounter and we want to pay attention to them because they help us connect with God. Remember the, the reading that we opened with, they're meeting Jesus on the road but they don't know it's him, right? Something's after the resurrection, there's something about Jesus and his glorified body that people don't always notice who he is at first. And as they're walking along, they're talking with him and he's talking to them about the scriptures and they still don't know it's him but their hearts do, right? Because at the end they say, we're not our hearts burning within us as he opened the scriptures to us. So it's like their heads didn't know. They didn't know who this guy is, some, some random dude that doesn't know what's going on in Jerusalem, but their hearts were burning because they were responding to the presence of God and his truth. So we need to notice our hearts because our hearts notice God. Even sometimes when they're doing things that we don't want them to do. And we'll give a, an example of that. So we want to notice our hearts. That's a really important part. So to sink from our heads down to our hearts. We're going to kind of walk through this sheet. This sheet is something you can read through uh, later. Uh, if it's helpful, if it's not helpful, get rid of it. Don't worry about it. There's no pressure here. Also, there's no method and there's no trick. So we talk about prayer. We're not going to get done with this and you'll be like, I got it 100%. Now I can do whatever I want. No, there's no trick. There's no method. God has to teach us how to pray, so we're not going to come together here and figure it out on our own. That doesn't work. Um, and prayer is just tough. I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where it's just not tough. It's tough, okay? But some of this stuff is to help us, just to kind of help open this up and help us enter more into relationship. So, the first step, this is, again, this is not a method, it's not a step, but it just shows us, like, if you're going to live in a relationship with God, these are things that need to take place. First step is to acknowledge. So you might call that noticing, acknowledging, and saying, yeah, I, I, I'm feeling this, or I really want this, I desire this, or, yeah, I kind of have this thought in, in, in the depths about God. So the first step is just to notice it, to acknowledge it. And you don't have to be afraid there. Sometimes there's stuff going on inside of us that we don't want to admit, but you don't have to be afraid because that's where God wants to meet you. He always wants to meet you where you are. So we'll kind of name the steps um, and come back. So the first is to acknowledge. Second is named relate. Relate meaning bringing it into the relationship with God, meaning telling him about it or showing him doesn't mean like, you know, I can relate to a time. That's not what that word means in this context. It means bringing it to God. 
Next step is to receive. That means to listen to God or to try to notice God. The last step is to respond in light of what we've received. So we're going to go through those a little more slowly. So again, the first is to acknowledge. It's weirdly hard sometimes to acknowledge what's going on here. Um, people that suffer with addictions, which is pretty much everybody, I would argue, right? We all have compulsions, addictions, things that you do. That thing that you do, you're like, why do I do this? Sometimes we're doing that thing to try to not deal what's going on here. And a really important step as we move into freedom there is to notice what's going on here. I gave the example of like, it's 9.30 and I'm like, ooh, I need a snack. Do I need a snack? No. No, I'm just sad. Or I'm bored. Or I'm really tired. Or maybe I'm lonely or I'm angry. <laughs> it's like, I don't need a snack. I'm not hungry at all, right? But there's something going on here and I don't want to deal with it and I've been trained not to deal with it so I'm going to distract myself. So again, the first step is to just notice what's going on here, which is weirdly hard for us. Then once we do, we don't want to be there alone. So once we notice, once we acknowledge what's going on there, we want to bring it into a relationship with God. So we tell God about it or we show it to him. Again, in my example earlier, struggling with a friend, fretting about it, I knew what was going on, but I hadn't brought it to him. God is always... Um, what would you say? Uh, God is a gentleman and he never forces anything. He, he respects your freedom. So if you don't want to talk about something, he's not going to force that upon you. So he gives you that freedom. You know the stories about vampires where a vampire can't come into your house unless you invite him in? That's similar to God. Maybe that's not helpful. <laughs> God's like a vampire. You can't kill him with a silver bullet or whatever. Is that a werewolf? Anyway, leaving that all behind. Um... God needs to be invited in because he's not going to break the door down. So if we don't talk to him about it, he's not going to force his way in there. So once we notice what's going on, we want to relate it to him, to tell him about it. Even almost sometimes just imagine showing your heart to him. Just opening that up. What you desire, what you're thinking, what you're feeling. So to bring it to him is really important. So we notice it, and then we bring it to him. And, and sometimes that can be very simple. Simple is just saying something to him. God, I'm afraid. I'm a little nervous. God, I'm feeling really peaceful. I'm really content. I'm excited. Uh, God, I just really want to be closer to you. Right? A desire, something there. So it can be very simple. Sometimes it's a little more anguished. Sometimes when we notice deep sadness in us, bringing it to him feels more like just being sad or lamenting it, maybe even crying. Right? That's how we're bringing it to God. Sometimes if we're really angry, it's going to feel like venting to God. That's okay. But just letting it out to him. So once we bring it to God, once we show it to God, then we want to receive. What do we mean? We want to give God a chance. And that just means to notice things. Maybe that means just noticing how you feel after you've brought it to God. Because you might just notice some peace. Well, that's God. Peace comes from God. So you just notice, like, yeah, I feel heard. I sense that. I didn't say that just into emptiness, but I feel like he's paying attention to me. Right? Sometimes an idea comes to our minds, and that idea sometimes moves our hearts. Right? Even though it might feel like you're making that idea up, that can be God saying something to you, especially if it's encouraging, if it feels hopeful, if it feels loving. If your heart really moves at that idea, then that's, that's God doing stuff. I gave the example in a homily this morning or last night, wherever you went to Mass. 
you know, of me asking God, like, Father, why do you love your son? And again, I didn't hear the voice of God, but these words came to my mind, and it was, I don't need a reason to love my son. And it was very moving to me. Those, that idea was moving to me. So did God speak to me from heaven? Yes. I would argue yes. I mean, he used my imagination to do it, but he spoke to me there. Right? So he told me, Scott, I don't need a reason to love you. So once we receive from God, and sometimes that's going to feel like nothing. That's not your job. That's okay. But once we notice God, once we even just notice how we feel there, then we want to respond. So in light of what God is showing us, we want to respond to what he's showing us. So maybe it's, I'm just angry as heck, and I notice it, and I'm like, ooh, I am just fired up about this. And I vent it to him. And after I do so, I just feel, yeah, I don't feel alone. I feel heard, and I sense that he cares. So I might respond just by saying, God, just please show me that, that I'm really not alone in this. Or I claim the truth that you're with me and that you care. I claim that is true. and Help me to see that, especially when, when this becomes really hard for me. That's a way to respond to what he's showing us. Okay, so for an example, um, one time I was praying with the story of the prodigal son. We talk about the parables. Parables are good at stirring stuff up in us, right? Remember the parables when they work in the vineyard all day long and some people get paid one thing and other people get paid another one? I'd argue that one's good at getting you to feel something, Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes you're like, this is a bunch of malarkey, right? This is a vineyard owner. I don't like him, right? So we want to notice what's going on here, especially in response to scripture, especially in response to, not Ham, like if you're just like this priest, maybe let that one go. But um, yeah, in something in response to scripture, um, maybe in, in homilies, churchy stuff, it's helpful to notice how it actually feels, especially when you're feeling something you don't want to feel. That's important to notice. So one time I was praying with the prodigal son. And you know the story. Little son, he's a dirtbag, mean to his dad. He leaves, spends all his money, everything goes sideways. He comes back, you know, and the father just meets him with this overwhelming love. I mean, he's just so compassionate and so loving. But as I'm praying with it, this is years ago, as I'm praying with it, I'm just feeling angry. I remember just being in my pew, just like, oh, I hate this. <laughs> and it was just like feeling worked up. And I didn't want to. I wanted to pray with it and be like, oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. But I was like, no. No, this is a bunch of bull crud. I was just not having it. Just feeling angry at the Father and angry at Him for being so nice to this just ne'er-do-well kid, right? And He doesn't deserve any of this. And you're being just super nice to Him. I'm just mad. And again, I know... Like, I'm in seminary at this point. I know, like, oh, the father in the story, that's God. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, I'm mad. I'm mad at this. And so, just kind of walking through the steps, even though I didn't want to feel it, I noticed and I acknowledged, I am angry. This is making me angry. And so I told God, I'm angry. This is making me angry. Like, this is a bunch of junk. Like, this kid doesn't deserve any of this. So I shared that to God. I noticed what I was experiencing it. What is that I was experiencing? And then I share that with God. This is, this, yeah, he doesn't deserve any of this. This doesn't make any sense. And so then I just paused. And again, just the idea that kind of came to mind was, well, that's not how love works. Because again, I was saying he doesn't deserve it. He hasn't earned this. And again, just the idea that came into my mind afterwards was, well, that's, that's not how love works. Because if you have to earn it and deserve it, it's not love. It's something else. 
So just really sensing that there's something in my heart that doesn't know how love works. Because I think I've got to earn it, I've got to deserve it. But then just sensing God showing me, like, nope, that's not how it works. So that's what I received. I acknowledged, I'm angry, I told him about it, I received this truth. That's not how love works. You don't have to earn it, you don't have to deserve it. And so then I respond, in light of what he's showing me, I said, okay, well then, teach me how love works, you know. Teach me how your love for me works. Teach me how to love other people because I don't think I know how to do it. So you see there, you know, if I, this is after I've been taught some of this. Um, and if it was beforehand, I would have sat down, I would have prayed, prodigal son, I would have been angry, I would have shut it, I would have been mad at myself and just frustrated and be like, I don't know how to pray, right? And I would have been mad at this guy, like my heart, because it's getting all worked up and I was like, I want to have a beautiful moment and I'm all mad. But the truth is the gospel, God's truth is bumping up against my heart and it wants to heal something there because I'm not on the same page with him. So to just notice the way that I was upset and to bring that to him lets his truth come into my heart. Does that make sense? So again, there's no trick. Please don't think that every time I sit down to pray, something like this happens. I'm telling stories, but they're over like, you know, I can't say decades, but at least a decade, right? So this is over a lot of years. Um, but I'm not unique in this. Like, this is, yeah, this is how God is with us. Uh, let me glance at the time. Okay, we're going to give another example, and this is just um, out of the Bible. So this is the Annunciation. So Mary's really good at praying, right? She's a good model for us on how to pray. And uh, Mary has a heart that's alive, and it, it responds to things, and she notices it. Sometimes we think of Mary as, as, right there, frozen, right? Rosary on her fingers never moves, right? Oh, Mary was alive, if anything. She's more alive than you and me. Because she never sinned, uh, she never ran away from her heart. She lived in communion with her own heart and with God. So she lived in relationship. Her heart was not, you know, sometimes we think of like Mary and Jesus as just kind of stoics and nothing ever bothers them and they just float through life and everything's great. Which is just, I mean, it's obviously not the case. Scripturally, it's not the case. When they find Jesus in the temple, what does Mary say to him? She says, why have you done this to us? You've made us sick looking for you for days, right? And please don't think that she was like, my son, <laughs> Why hast thou done this to thine father and I? No, she's mad and confused, right? Why have you done this to us? <laughs> she's not happy. Her heart's alive. So we're going to notice Mary just kind of walk through this um, as the Annunciation happens. So this is Luke chapter 1. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father. And he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. 
But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Okay. So, Mary's doing something, minding her own business, it seems. Angel comes to her and addresses her, and she, she's what? At first, she's troubled. So she's troubled in her heart, and she ponders what sort of a, what sort of a greeting is this? So she's confused, and she notices these things. Okay, something's, this is kind of upsetting to me. I'm kind of troubled here, and I feel confused. What sort of greeting is this? The angel responds to her there, says, don't be afraid, for you found favor with God. And then she, he describes the plan of what is coming, that she's going to bear a son. And so she hears this from God, from, from, well, from God through the angel. But then again, she's still confused. And so she responds. And she says what? How can this be? So she hears it. She acknowledges what's going on with her. And she's hearing what's going on. And then she responds. She says, how can this be? Since I have no relations with a man. So she doesn't understand how this is supposed to work. But she's being honest about that. And then she receives, again, the truth of what's going to happen. This is the, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Right? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So she receives the plan of how this is going to work. It's almost like she's saying, like, I, don't, I don't understand, what am I supposed to do? And he's like, no, no, you don't have to do anything. No, the power of God will, will come upon you, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Um, and so in light of what she's receiving, she responds and she says, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. So just notice, Mary's living in relationship. She's honest about her heart. She's noticing her heart. She notices that she's troubled. She notices that she's confused. She says, how can this be, since I have no relations with a man? She receives more of the plan that this is God's work in her, and her job is to, to let God do his work there. And so she says, okay. She responds by saying, okay, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Um, so again, this isn't a trick. Um, there's nothing magic about this. But it's just, it's just what a relationship looks like. And yeah, it's just as we're living into a relationship with God, we want to make sure we're doing these things because it's just how a communication works. It's how a relationship works. We notice ourselves, our hearts, what are our thoughts, what are our feelings, what are our desires, what do we want. We're bringing that to God. We're allowing him to respond in whatever way he chooses to. Sometimes he responds later. Maybe a day, maybe a week, maybe much later. And then in light of what he shows us, we, we respond. We respond to what he's showing us. Um, we're going to stop there uh, and have some time for thoughts or questions. And they can be about what we're talking about today. It can be about prayer in general, um, kind of whatever. Maybe even something that's helpful if you want to say it out loud, something that's helpful for people to hear.
Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so prayer too is something that we can be, we can help each other out with. So talking to each other about things that are going on. Sometimes we feel like I'm all alone. Nobody really understands. And so to even share that with people, you know, people of prayer, what's going on in your life can be really helpful um, to kind of open that up and, you know, to walk with somebody. Yeah, great question. So she was saying, number three, the receiving is just be really tough sometimes. So first, I think we want to have a really broad sense of what that might look like. So again, sometimes you share with him, and afterwards you just feel a sense of relief. And that's something, that's not nothing. So if you just feel relief, and you feel heard, then that's God showing you like, hey, I hear you, you know, like I'm listening which sometimes is weirdly important. Just that we know somebody else hears us and knows what's going on, that itself can be really important for us to receive, even if it's not, you know, a specific thought or an... um. So some of it's just noticing, yeah, as I share this, just how does this place feel? So even if you could describe the place that you're in after you've shared something with God, um, so maybe it feels safe, Uh, maybe if it feels kind of restful, Maybe if it feels, yeah, it feels secure, it doesn't feel lonely, and sometimes it might not have any of that. But to just be really sensitive about even like, yeah, what's the tone of this place? So maybe God's not saying something to me, but I just really, yeah, I don't feel alone now. Or I feel hopeful. So maybe God's inspiring hope in me. Sometimes in that place, a memory will come up. And it might have something to do with what's going on there. Sometimes that's a way God shows you something. So be attentive to just other thoughts, memories that might come up. Um, Sometimes it's scary to wait there and to listen because we're afraid nobody's coming. We have these these lies that kind of kick around in us. And again, a lot of them have to do with our childhood. Um, Yeah, but for some people, there's a lie that says nobody's coming, nobody cares. So to really sit there and listen for God can feel can feel kind of high stakes because if I really want him to respond and he doesn't respond, then that means he doesn't care about me and he's abandoned me. You know, so sometimes our own stuff can make, can make prayer just really, really hard, really scary. Um, and sometimes nothing happens. And so I think we keep asking him too, God, teach me how to notice you. Teach me how to listen to you. But also we want to give credit to thoughts that come to mind that are encouraging, that are hopeful. So again, it might feel like just you saying it to yourself. But if it's encouraging, if it's hopeful, especially if it's moving to you, I think you can have some confidence that that's God. 
God works through your own thoughts. Right? He works through your feelings. He works through your own desires. Um, so rarely does God come in just like, Kool-Aid man, like bust through the wall. He's like, hey! Like that tends to not happen. Now God speaks to us in the silence of this place. Um, so yeah, it's hard. It, it's hard to notice him. It's hard to receive him. But also just the more that we are open to it and the more that we're looking for it, the more attuned we become and, and the more we're just able to, to do that. Um, but yeah, and it's hard. And sometimes he doesn't do anything. Sometimes he's silent. And he's never silent out of cruelty or neglect. But sometimes he is silent and that can be tough. That can be, kinda, that can be hard. That can be disappointing. And even to notice that sometimes God uses silence to really draw out what's there. You know, I know times that, you know, in the silence, I'll just really open up to God and be like, I feel like you don't even care about me. Like, you're just, I'm just sitting here struggling and you don't even care. You're not, you're just busy. You're too busy for me. So to really like, sometimes the silence like actually brings up what's actually going on inside of me. So to just like keep being honest there. And maybe you say like, God, I feel like I never hear you and you never respond. That's an A plus prayer. Right? We judge prayers on whether they're true. Not whether they're nice. Whether they're true. So if you're like, God, this prayer stuff, I feel like I'm bad about it. I feel like you don't spend any time with me. You don't care and you're not doing anything. A plus prayer. If that's true, that's a great prayer. You know? So just, again, you have full freedom to be 100% honest with God. One time I was at a funeral vigil. Well, I wasn't at it. I was running it as the priest. Sometimes I say things that I shouldn't say, maybe. But I think I got a vibe. I kind of got the vibe from the, the uh, assembly there. And I said, you should always talk to God like you're three beers in. Right? So you're just like, yeah, I got something to say to you. I'm, I'm sick of this. I'm just sick of this. I don't want to do it anymore. Right? That's great. That's some good prayer right there. Loosen up. If you want to have one, you know, a cold one before you go to pray, that's not a terrible idea. Um, again, you can't be too honest with him. There's no such thing. I didn't really answer your question, but yeah, it can be, it can be tough. Um, any other thoughts, questions? Yeah. Yeah, and this, a lot of this material is, um, was presented to me through something called the Institute for Priestly Formation. I did a summer program with them that was, before the summer, I didn't know how to pray, even though I was in seminary already. And after the summer, it was like, oh, God's real, and he wants to talk to me. Who knew? So that credit to them, um, and a buddy of mine uh, put this together, so I didn't do any of this work. <laughs> uh, also, I had Laura make the copies. So literally, I bought a piece of paper to the office so that's what the credit I take for this handout. But it is helpful. Yeah. Um, maybe one last idea, and then we'll um, settle in this in time for prayer. Um, if you don't have a lot of silence in your life, when you do start having silence, it can be just tough. And a lot of things come out of the woodworks. Because there's a lot of things your brain would like to kind of work through, but if you don't have any silence, then um, it's like, this is my chance, right? And your brain's just like, and you're just going through a lot. Also, though, we talk about distractions in prayer. Um, what you do with distractions is not try to stop having them. That's not what you do. What you want to do with, with a distraction is to tell God about it. Just to bring it to God. Just notice, like, hey, I'm, I'm just really worried about tomorrow I've got to cook and I've got to get these things. Right? 
I got something, a work project due on Friday, and I got blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm really concerned about whatever, Cal 4820 and you know, <laughs> whatever it is. Because sometimes your distractions are actually things that God wants to deal with you with. Like he wants to be in that thing with you. Because sometimes we pair off our life to like, oh, this is just my stuff, and these are God things over here. Does that make sense? And we think like, oh, all these distractions are coming into my God stuff, like my parents and my family and people I love and my work. Turns out God actually cares about that stuff because he loves you. So we want to bring our distractions to him because sometimes they're not distractions. Sometimes they're things that he cares about that he wants to enter into with us. Does that make sense? So again, trying to just shove them down usually doesn't work anyway. And if they're coming up, that's fine. That's totally normal. Um, but it's helpful just to name them to God, to acknowledge like, hey, I'm really worked up about this. And I'm feeling kind of helpless, kind of frustrated. Now we're praying. Right? And we're inviting God into a, an actual place of our hearts where he wants to be because he wants to be everywhere. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we'll have about 10 minutes to pray. No rules on where, where you go here. If anything in the last 40 minutes or so stirred your heart, then, then I really encourage you to pray with that thing. So to acknowledge it, to notice it, if you can, kind of describe to God what's going on there. Maybe it's, I feel really frustrated. I feel kind of anxious. I feel like I can't do this. That's a good place to start. Maybe it's something, something we said or something from one of the scriptures, even a word, phrase that stuck out. To notice that, to acknowledge it, to tell him about it. And then just kind of be there and see if you have any sense of God doing something there. And if you do, yeah, to respond uh, to whatever that is. But again, if that's helpful, great. If not, don't worry about it. And just be in here for for some time with God, that's great. It's, that's prayer. That's good. That's important. Okay.